0: Hello there, welcome to Book Pints episode 4. Somehow my friend Erica convinced me to read a book about a reality television show and surprisingly, the world did not end. Life is Short is written by the stars of the Learning Channels, The Little Couple. It chronicles their lives growing up with dwarfism, building successful lives, meeting each other, and starting a family. We pair that with a delightful red wine from the Pacific Northwest called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. I'm a sucker for wines with silly names and great labels and this one checks all the right boxes while also being pretty darn tasty. So throw on a Snuggie, curl up in your favorite reality TV show, watching chair, pour yourself a healthy glass of vino, and consume.
1: He's got a whole story. I told him I wanted a dry red wine, and that's what he gave me. Okay. He said it was his favorite, so I trusted him.
0: All right. So let's open it up here and see if it's a liar. So I did look up the, uh, it's... I think Mouton Noir is the winery. And it's basically this one guy that was a sommelier for fancy restaurants in California and per se in New York. So he's a fancy sommelier. decided he wanted to make his own. So they have a bunch of other wines as well with such wonderful names as Bottoms Up, OPP, which is Other People's Pinot Gris or Other People's Pinot Noir, I guess they have two of those. Um, so it's kind of cool. And they also make t shirts. Do you want me to read the description? I have to read. This description is fantastic. Let's see. This is Horseshoes and Hand Grenades is fruit driven, full bodied, complex red blend sourced from southern Oregon in the Red Mountain, Washington. The rich, ripe, voluptuous fruit comes from Oregon Syrah with just enough Washington Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot to give it a complexity and structure. Think cherry pits and leather whips. <laughs> So that's what we're thinking. Cherry pits and leather whips. There's a glass for you. And a glass for me. Mm. You know, this whole podcast thing works a lot better when you talk, too. There's, <laughs> it's going to be fine. Don't worry. Cheers. Yep. All right. So what book is it that we're...
1: Life is short. No pun intended. Yes. <laughs>
0: So tell me, you picked the book. So give me the backstory.
1: What backstory?
0: Well, what's the what's the book about? Who are the people?
1: Oh, okay. I thought you meant like how I found the book.
0: Well, you can tell me that too if it's interesting. I
1: found it on a table at work. Okay.
0: All right. Well, tell me why the book.
1: Well, one night I was just kind of channel surfing mm-hmm. and I saw the adoption special about their two children. And I thought it was very wonderful, and they are very interesting people, and they have lived very, very interesting lives, so that's right. why and, I decided to read the book.
0: And they're little people, yes. right? So, that's what's the name of their show? I don't even know. The Little them. Couple. The Little Couple. Mm-hmm. I think it's just Jenny Arnold is just listed as the author?
1: Dr. Jenny Arnold. Right.
0: Does it list her husband as the yes. author as well? Okay.
1: Bill Klein.
0: Yes. So they have a show
1: mm-hmm. on TLC, mm-hmm. and
0: so you are can't sleep, so you're up all night. You're watching it and where you're like tearing up.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing when somebody adopts somebody and you document it. So they went to China to adopt their son and they went to India to adopt their daughter. And it was a very, very short kind of time period. Usually people wait years, but both their children have the same kind of dwarfism as they do. So they were kind of pushed up on the list and they got them very quickly.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the, the book. Because most of the book is not about that.
1: No, I know. That's like the last part. Yeah.
0: And I think that's unfortunate. I would have have really preferred to read a lot more about that. That's really interesting to me.
1: I have a feeling that they're going to put out another book, but this was just kind of their show. I know you don't want to really talk about that or fixate on it, but that's what they largely... Talk about it.
0: You can talk well, about whatever you want.
1: <laughs> their show largely fixates or you know, is focused on the kids right. and, you know, how they're raising them and how they come to be together as a couple. But it does not really ever give you any kind of background on the two of them. So that's why I think the book was really great, was that you got, you know, how they grew up and all of that, that backstory, which is which is really, really fascinating to me at least. Okay. I don't know if it was to you.
0: <laughs> well, I think the parts That were really fascinating were the parts that were where they were dealing with this you know the specific differences of their particular dwarfism that made it difficult for them to have a normal life and how they sort of tried to have a normal life and i frankly i wanted more of that that was my my big complaint so but before we before we get into like me talking about the book tell me what you thought of it what did you did you like about what did you like about the writing style all that stuff
1: I liked that it went back and forth as a narrative between the two Mm -hmm. of them. They got to say what they needed. It wasn't just, you know, a ghostwriter kind of coming in and just writing, this is what happened, this is what happened. You really got to hear it from them firsthand. Mm -hmm. Um, At least I felt like that. I I don't know if that's actually what happened. But, you know, also just the emotion that it conveyed when they were telling their stories about, you know, their difficulties or their challenges growing up. I I felt very connected to that. And it was very interesting. And I read a lot of it at once. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: the the back and forth is you know kind of standard storytelling when you're telling two people's stories right and and that, that generally works and i thought they were at their best when they were talking about their the, the the more like okay for her i thought she was at her best when she was talking about the surgeries and she was explaining that she's obviously a doctor but she's also really good at communicating that so that came across really well and you got a sense of What it was to go through the surgeries and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he was, I think, at his best when he was describing his college years and sort of him trying to find himself as an adult. Mm -hmm. And he describes that he sat on the um, what three floors up or whatever and he's sitting there and he's just like on the edge of jumping. And I thought those those were the things that were really great about it.
1: Right. But I also think that that speaks to who they came to be as adults. Sure. Like I mean, yes, she's you know a doctor, but he's also like a, a businessman who kind of has to deal with whatever the world throws at him. And I think right. his earlier years got him adapted to that point, which is great. So.
0: Right. And that's what I think that was. Yeah. Their, when their voices were the strongest mm-hmm. is when they were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, right. The thing that drove me nuts, though was they spent a lot of the book talking about stuff that is just incredibly boring and minutiae. And it's like, I understand all those things happen, but the there was a whole chapter describing the wedding. Oh my God. It was just like every other, like wedding planning is not fun.
1: <laughs> wow. and it, you know,
0: I mean, it's uh, the idea of it and all that kind of stuff, but the, the intricate details of it. I just I was bored out of my mind on a couple of those chapters.
1: I just also feel like that also contributes to you not being so into the... Sh- like, you're not invested emotionally in the show, and I feel like that... Because you actually saw the wedding on the show. Right. And I feel like if you had seen that, and if you were, like, kind of a devoted watcher, you might have been a little bit more interested in it. So you didn't pique your interest because you just, you know... You so
0: you're saying it. the book is really more of a companion to the show um, than a book on its own right in a way yeah okay yeah
1: i mean like a, 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 the later parts of the book yes okay. definitely but the the beginning part like i said there's really nothing except for like a few references here and there about things that have happened to them you know, when they were growing up. Right. Again, that's that's the part that I found really interesting.
0: And how did that, so having never watched the show and you have watched the show, how did how did that lead into a better understanding of these two people? What did you get out of that that you, you didn't know before?
1: Well, I mean, like one of the things that sticks out for me was um, when she was talking about one of her earliest surgeries or just being there through, you know, like summertime plans. You know, everyone mm-hmm. would go off to camp and she would have to go to the hospital to basically report for surgery for the two months, she kind of always said that there were, you know, things that happened in her childhood that really kind of set her apart from the other kids, but they never really went into detail about any of that. Mm -hmm. And just as you were saying before with the scientific, you know, doctor talk jargon and everything like that, it just kind of really... You know it was a very poignant part for me because you know we, right. we'd see the pictures or whatever of her and like her her huge brace i forgot what she calls it the halo the halo You're right right but we never actually understood from a child's point of view or from an adult going you know up from being that child right. in that situation we never really heard about yeah. that so yeah it just kind of made everything a little bit more enhanced for me and
0: yeah so, you li- did you like the book? I did. Did you like it a lot? Did you like it a little?
1: I would recommend it to people. Okay.
0: Would you recommend it to everybody? Or just to people who watch the show?
1: No, I would recommend it to people who do not watch the show as okay. well. It would have to be a certain kind of person who likes certain kinds of books, of course. But, yeah, I
0: would. Okay. Well, who's... who's what's, And this is what I'm... I, I guess my... What I'm trying to get at is this type of book is... It's... A memoir, but it's also sort of of a new class that it's tied to the TV show, right? Well, the
1: reason I would recommend it is to somebody who hasn't watched the show, Mm -hmm. is basically to be... Sort of a, um, an introduction to the show if they were ever thinking about watching it, but they weren't really sure, and they were more of a book person. Mm-hmm. I would probably, you know, lend it to them or whatever. It'd be like, "Here, this is the backstory of what this is," because it does touch upon where the show basically starts, which is okay. the wedding and the adoption and all that stuff. So, I think it would be a really nice precursor to people if they were interested in thinking about watching the show, so okay. that they didn't have to invest so much time. So,
0: it's like the prequel to the show. Yeah. Okay. I
1: mean, I, I feel like that, so... The,
0: the problem that I had with the book was these are two people that have... They're, they're very extraordinary people in their own right, regardless of... The dealing with the dwarfism. I mean, they are. uh, She went to she went to medical school at John Hopkins, so she's no slouch. He could have gone to John Hopkins, but then got into business and then started his own business. And then when that got, or you know, or when one of his businesses got bought out, he, you know, he's obviously clearly a successful businessman as well. Mm -hmm. So these are just, to a certain extent, they're just successful people, and we're getting that story. And I know people always like to hear stories of successful people and the fact that they had all these struggles. That normal, see, the normal people would not have to deal with, right? But I
1: feel like you're missing, I mean, and I know this is, you know, it, it, whatever, it, it's about it, the book, but right. I feel like you're just missing some kind of element that I can't describe or it doesn't translate as well in the book. But there, there is something just so charming about them that mm-hmm. it doesn't just matter that they're just successful. Right right
0: and i think i i do understand what you're saying and my my complaint was i know that it was in the book it just wasn't in it enough there were moments where i got i understood that they were charming like i would really like to sit down and you know have a beer with these people <laughs> right cuz they sound interesting and fascinating but i think the book spent it had a little bit too much padding around those moments. There were moments in the book where you were kind of drawn in, Mm -hmm. but the rest of it was humdrum. A lot of it was like daily minutiae stuff. I kind of have to, obviously they're not writers. Mm -hmm. So this was their first time taking a stab at that. So I've got to like say to the editors, you got to be a little bit a little bit tougher on these folks. They're they're smart enough that they can obviously do it. You know, they're not
1: But, in, I mean, on the other side of that token, it could mm-hmm. have been them wanting to put more in and, you know, like, just not being able to.
0: It, it, very well. It very well could have been. that the. So, this like, to let's me... let's take
1: that out, you know. It's a little bit... Traumatic. We'll put a little bit right. of this back in. And,
0: and I think they they get close to a number of issues that I think are really serious issues that really should be discussed and my nature is i want more of that and i can understand why because they have this show that's on the learning channel that's aimed at sort of a the family market mm-hmm. they don't want it to be heavy so i imagine there were points where they had written stuff that was a lot more sort of getting into the the politics and the minutiae of what they've gone through because they seem obviously that there are people who are in touch with that like i said they touch on that but then it's it's taken out mm-hmm. so Oh, that was my overall sense is that it was padded with fluffy stuff. <laughs> and whenever we got to the really, the, the meat of the stuff, we didn't get enough of it. I always wanted more of that.
1: See, whenever that happens, though, I feel like it's not the writer's fault. It's the... EDG
0: yeah. It's... I put it on the editors. Yeah. right? Because I think but that... But that's
1: not to say that they didn't bring it to them.
0: No. I, yeah, that's... I, I the, You can't know what happened in the right,
1: back room. exactly. I, like,
0: I don't know what happened in the back room. I'm just saying, my per, from my perspective as the reader, which is the only perspective I can have, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wanted more. And, and so I say, whoever the editor was that didn't either draw that out or said no when it was presented, I'm like, no, you did it wrong. I want more of that. Bring that in. And also, it was, like, there were some really weird moments where, for example... There was the best friend in high school Mm -hmm. or a friend in high school had been taking classes at the University of Miami part of her senior year and was supposed to go there and they were going to be roommates. Mm -hmm. And then she just, it's like a one liner. Then we got really bad news that she wasn't going to go to the University of Miami. And then that's it. And we're like, we're not told why we're not told anything. And that's, it's just left like that. I don't know if it was something that was too personal and they didn't want to bring it up.
1: But see, that's that's when I'm like, it's the editors because yeah. it was it was touched upon. Like she went there, and there yep. was probably more to say, but she was probably been like, no, nah, you know, we don't really want to do that. So, they're very well spoken individuals, and it's I'm, clear. I'm yeah. sure that it was placed in there, but it was just taken out. And the same thing is true for his friend, you know, the one who unfortunately passed away in Florida. Right. So, like it was brought up, it was touched yes. upon, but it was never ever brought up again or anything like that or even like how it affected yeah. him really. So
0: Because that that's a perfect example. That story that he was he's telling the story of This guy that he was sort of crammed together with at first, Mm -hmm. and then they became friends.
1: Like best friends. Yeah, and then they became best friends. And
0: and then he died at 10 years old on a Mm -hmm. vacation, like a freak thing. And then again, nothing was said about that. But that, to me, for someone who is never going to be able to blend into the crowd right. and, and finds at a friend, yes, yeah, it's, and then,
1: it's just it's one of those life moments where it really kind of defines right. you in some way. Yeah, and you you carry through. But again, it was never touched upon.
0: And that was the moment that I really wanted to have. Because he did so well describe himself in college and the, the emotions that he was having and how you know his he had this girlfriend and the and so it's clear that he can kind of convey that and I wanted that and I just I wonder so what what do you think was the editors can you divine any in, any intention here
1: I just think that there is an age of innocence that kind of people try to preserve so if unfortunate things happen to you. When you're younger, you know, you, you can touch upon it, you can say it, yeah. but we don't necessarily, you know, not that we don't want to hear about it, but it's it's a little bit maybe even to say taboo to talk about it. Right.
0: I like, that's a good, that's a good term for it, that age of innocence, right? Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, with the memory that we want to have and the, the memory that they're presenting here... Is the sort of sanitized version where we take out all the bumps and we just sew this smooth thing, so it's a heroic story, right? It's got enough downs that it's heroic, but it's it's not I don't know it doesn't maybe they felt like it would weigh it down, but I really think these are intelligent people they could have really pulled it off and i, I I'm unfortunately, I don't think they, they got to do that. I really would have liked to have seen that and then I mean same kind of thing when they at towards the end when they're having she has her medical problems. Mm-hmm. He has his medical problems. This is all while they're adopting two children.
1: Well, she was actually she got sick when she was in India, right? Right,
0: and she had to get on a plane and come well, back. He
1: sent her home, right? Yeah, and she didn't want to go. Stayed there with Ben, right. you know, Who is William now? <laughs> yeah,
0: and the the story that we got of that mm-hmm. in the book was really just a couple of paragraphs of, oh, Bill is such a nice, such a great husband that he, you know, called me. Uh, you know, and, and he said he stayed up all night tracking the phone. You know what? There was a lot more going on. I wanted to see
1: But I feel like that. that's where those chapters is where it turns into a companion to the show. Because the show, right. you see everything.
0: Right. So, and, the, yeah. and the book, I wanted to hear their voice and right. say, this is what you saw on television. This is what was going on inside.
1: Oh, no. I agree with you. I'm on one yeah.
0: Do. Yeah. yeah. That's the one thing. <laughs> that's
1: the, the one thing. <laughs>
0: the one, I got one agreement. I just want everyone to know I have this on record now. Erica has now agreed with me. And
1: we will probably edit it out.
0: I didn't even tell people who you were. You're Erica, but they will will i will write something. I,
1: I'll I'm that something. voice. You're—you're
0: uh, you're what? It's
1: the disembodied voice.
0: The disembodied voice. You're just you're just floating up there. It's like it just appears.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How's your wine doing? It's good. I like—I like blended wines. It, there's a lot of wine snobs out there. I am not one, but I like wine a lot. Are you? Would you consider yourself a wine snob or no? No. No, not at all.
1: Uh, my wine snob friend has to order for me. <laughs>
0: oh, so you bring one along?
1: So, yeah, I do. It's good. Um, I'm like Personal this, this is What I want. Yeah. That. Ah, all right.
0: Yeah. But I, the, this is you do exactly the same thing. I go into the wine store and I say, "What's your favorite thing?" This is the range of what I'm looking for.
1: Well, I didn't actually do that. I walked up to him and I was just like I like reds and I like them dry mm-hmm. and not too bitter and he was just like, I have the perfect thing for you and it's like great.
0: And it's called horses and hand grenades.
1: I know, and that and the label's yeah. kind of awesome too, so
0: the label is kind of awesome. I, I have I'll freely admit, I have bought many a wine simply because I like the label.
1: Oh, that's not why I bought this one. This is the yeah. one probably that I've tried and loved. Uh, that's not why I bought it.
0: That's yeah. not why you bought it. Mm-hmm. But it was the recommendation. It was. It's really, I mean, it's got, so when you, when you go to like nerdy wine tastings, you're supposed to tip the, you know, the wine and see if the color runs. And this has got really great strong color throughout.
1: <laughs> it's pretty. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty one. Oh, she's going for more. I am. Oh dear, we haven't even made it past twenty minutes, and already. Listen. Listen. Favorite. Favorite wine. Favorite wine ever. Did you just want a straw?
1: <laughs> Please. Just put it right in there. Bottle.
0: Just right in. You
1: um, to drunk history. Not kidding.
0: Oh, drunk history! <laughs> Love that show.
1: Back to the book.
0: Oh, okay. Keep it on track. I like it. Good. I I had I had kind of mixed emotions about this book and i know you before we actually were able to sit down and record it mm-hmm. you were trying to get me to give you my opinion
1: i'm always trying to do that yeah
0: yeah but i i wouldn't because it's it's hard for me i can't say it was good it was bad i i generally think the the structure of it was bad and that's what held it back like i said i like their voices a lot
1: but i feel like most books like this that are you know they come from a television show end mm-hmm. up to be this model like this is the right. uh, quintessential model for this kind of book. I think you're Unfortunately, right. Unfortunately. Right. Like you said, you know there are certain parts where you want them to go into deeper detail and for one reason or another they just don't or they can't or it might affect their image of how their show is or, or what what have you. Yeah. But I feel like this is really how a lot of these books are are
0: produced. So. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think it was probably they, they do have a sort of formula for this. Mm-hmm. Have you read any other books that were sort of the same sort of tie-in?
1: I did. I, I don't remember the title of it, but it was another reality show type book. And it, okay. it followed kind of the same format where there were things that were always kind of touched upon in the show. Mm-hmm. But were never actually explained or talked about at length. Right. So I feel like that has to do with, you know, just the integrity of the show and just you know the 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 image that they want them to have and all the other stuff and they do have to be kind of mindful of that when they make a book like this so
0: yeah i i I definitely i I would agree with that that is my impression as well Mm -hmm. how do you think that is is that a good thing to tie it into the show like that or would would you prefer to have something that was a little bit more um
1: see i think this would be a great starting point Mm -hmm. for them. And that's why I'm hopeful that there might be a second book because in it, I mean, these book sales, like for of this book alone, they have, it's, it wasn't available in the warehouse for like a month. So, you know, it it sold out. It was on the New York times bestseller list. I think it still might be. So there is a lot of interest in it. And I feel like there are going to be a few people who feel the way you do that, you know, things need to be expanded upon. So I'm hoping that maybe once the show concludes, whenever that might be, they will be allowed to, you know, produce a second book, Right. Where they can touch upon or go into a, a little bit of detail about their children's lives or whatever. Because I don't think that they went too much into detail on that and here beyond the adoption and all that other stuff. yeah. Um, but there have been, you know, they've been with them, I think, for a year at least or two right now. Yeah. So they've, they've, you know, immersed into American culture and they have, you know, had to basically become sociable with the children here. And it was a little easier for one than it was the other. And that is all very, very interesting. So, right. you know that there's enough material there where they can safely do that. Yeah,
0: and and I felt like I felt like the majority of this book, really, fully half of it, should have been like the first two chapters of the actual book, right? Like it, it really <laughs> you was. feel Like
1: this is like an appetizer to a full course meal. Is that how you feel? I,
0: I feel like all of this could be condensed into the appetizer. <laughs> really? Right. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, this book, the whole as book. a whole as a whole as an appetizer. It
0: really was an appetizer, and I think not to say anything against appetizers, but no. I, I really felt like there were a lot. There was a lot but of you stretching. You wanted to
1: know more, right? About well, certain things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I. This is one thing that I say, and I, I don't know if this was. And I would. I especially felt it more when she was writing than when Bill was writing. I felt like there was a lot of. I'm going to put a shiny face on this. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to make everything sound perfect and happy. And I could tell there was undercurrent there and I'm just not going to talk about it. And it, it got to the point where I'm not sure if it's just, that's just the survival mechanism that you build in. You, you have these memories and so you make them rosy. You know, there are certain things where she did not shy away from, but there were certain things that she really did. And I, you know, so I wonder even if, if there is a second book, do we get more of that or do we get sort of the deep dive? And it, does it, is it, if it's just about, me wanting that who cares right
1: but i don't think that's just i don't i don't think that could be just solely attributed to the editors i think that has to do with her medical training which is hilarious being brought into her personal life because when you are a medical professional there are certain things that you have to make seem rosy and whatever and by doing that just every day in your ins and outs and your conversations i hadn't thought of that
0: i had right
1: that's just what you do by nature Right. It it's, becomes it's, who you are, <laughs>
0: and it's almost like a, her bedside manner. Yes. came across in her writing.
1: Well, because she probably went into the mindset of I have to present this to somebody. It's a presentation. Right. I'm telling them about this, which so she is, which in. she
0: is clearly very good at.
1: Yes, very. And but, so
0: I hadn't thought about that. So it might just be sort of this is professional mode for her. Is the because as a doctor you can't be doom and gloom and exactly you know okay I'm sorry you have this
1: but even disease it's going to be
0: really hard for you to deal with. Here's all the nitty gritty, but for me, that's what I want. Like if I if I roll into the hospital and they say you have this terrible <laughs> disease, I'm like, okay, let's let's figure. I want everything. Give me all the numbers. I don't want I don't want any sunny, rosy picture. I want all the stuff because that's how I process things, right? But I don't think most people are that way.
1: No, they're not. But you see, I think if someone was to say to her before she had a chance to write something else, you know, maybe you need to go a little bit more into depth, and you need to be that person who just kind of tells you like it is. She's fully, I feel like she's fully capable of doing that. Absolutely. And I really do think that it was just kind of her, for lack of a better term, bedside manner that kind of hindered her in that respect. Right. But that's just me.
0: Right. One of the interesting things about just their story was that both of their parents got divorced and then one of them got back together. Mm-hmm. But the strain of that, the, the difficult medical condition throughout their lives did have an effect on their family. And I did want to hear, as a child of divorced parents myself... I wanted to hear how they processed that, how that shaped them. Because it's very easy to to say, oh, it's my fault because I was the one that made it difficult.
1: Well, didn't he kind of blame himself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he did that, I think, very well. He was much more emotionally direct in his writing. But then he would undercut it with jokes about cars, you know, which is a totally dude dude thing to do, right? Right. Which, you know, I do, but they're just not usually about cars. (laughs) It's about edges. Um
1: what else you got? I like the flying lion.
0: The flying lion.
1: <laughs> it was one of my favorites. The that song, was... the little song that her, her father sang right. about the flying lion. Yeah. Yeah. Started crying on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: well. You were crying <laughs> on the beach?
1: Yeah a little bit. You uh, know.
0: <laughs> okay. So I've had this I've had this I I've had this experience with, with a number of books, not with this book. This book, frankly <laughs> I was I was not moved in the same way that that you were, but I think part of that is because I don't watch the show. And the part, yeah, probably. And this is totally not the sort of book that I would usually read. So it's, it's, I know,
1: but that's good for you.
0: Ex- well, and that's exactly you did commit. So. That's the point of this whole thing <laughs> exactly. is it's not just to read Scott's hit list of books that he would like.
1: Next up, Cat in the Hat. Cat in the
0: Hat, <laughs> and then Cat in the Hat Two. Yeah. The cat comes back, but. I've had that experience when you're sitting on the subway and you're reading something and you, you have an emotional response, either you laugh out loud or you get embarrassed and you turn red. And then I always, I'm looking up and they, they just always, there's always someone across that's looking at me with this weird look, like, are you a psycho?
1: Yeah, who's just having a moment yeah. on the train and right. I need to switch cars. Yeah, yeah I totally get that. Like get up
0: and they walk away. <laughs> yep next so, stop <laughs> so did you have that experience on the beach where people were walking around the beach and you're no. just like sobbing they're all like i wasn't uh.
1: sobbing i just kind of teared up <laughs> you Stimbing. know behind your sunglasses like dabbing your eyes yeah
0: it's just like i got sand so in my yeah, all. You know, yeah. Nothing. all right um
1: no i just think it was a very sweet story and i just really love that despite you know everything that they've been through they're just they remain so optimistic even if Right. She's going in for surgery or he's going in for surgery and they have these two kids now mm-hmm. and you know, William is always so happy. Like he is just the happiest kid you will ever see in your life. He's always smiling. Okay. And <laughs> it's just it's really wonderful. So
0: And do they convince you of that their optimism is sort of real and sustainable? or
1: well they have their i mean they have their downs yeah they show you that too but for the most part you know just given everything that they've been through you would think that maybe they would be a little bit more you know just kind of inward or insular or something or just not as outgoing and not as optimistic about everything but it it's really i mean i think that's kind of why i i relate to this book too it's just like you know that's where i would love to be and just you know just being happy and just being able to see the good and everything but it's very hard
0: well <laughs> that's, and that's that's the thing when i yeah. when i think about this in tv shows about like this where what was the one with kate and whatever plus eight
1: yeah but that didn't work John out too well for her
0: no but in the sh- the show right it was all presented as they were happy and, and everything that's
1: not true I, I
0: guess I didn't watch all of it. It's really
1: but. not true. Like, she was probably ragging on him for his weight more than half of the interviews that they gave together. Like, there was an obvious rift there. It was not all right. rosy and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just... I These are these reality TV shows.
1: But that's also um, why I like this one, because it isn't just... A reality TV show. Like, you know, there are times when she tells the camera people to leave and to get out of the house because the family needs time alone. And, you know, they'll, the parents themselves mm-hmm. will take a, a handheld or whatever if they need to. And they will go and they will film certain, like, family things together. But it's on their terms. So that's what I also really admire about them is that mm-hmm. they can be like, hey, you know, we need time. And this is what it's going to be or we're not doing it anymore.
0: Yeah. Because i as you probably know... Thoroughly really cynical. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I read something like this, and I understand, like, not everything has to be doom and gloom to be good. No, it doesn't. But I, I also do sort of... I do... You can't have just always optimism. It just doesn't... It doesn't exist. And you, you need to see the darker moments... And I think those are, it's really important to, to, to make that optimism real is to see the darker moments and see the struggles.
1: But is that something that you need to see in order to be appreciative of the optimism or is it just enough for you to realize that, Hey, these people have been through like, you know, a lot and this is their end result, and just be like, okay.
0: I guess I'm trying, it's, it's, I'm trying not to be about just what I think I need, but I think to.
1: Well, I'm just I'm just trying to, to get like you know your perspective. Right. Well, not just yours, but the perspective on that. Right. And because I'm sure other people feel that way.
0: Yeah. And I think what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at is to tell a story well and convincingly. And engagingly, I think you need to have that contrast and not just I gloss over it and say, okay, bad things happen. And now I can be optimistic. You need to actually see it, right? You need to, you need to, they need to describe the low points so that the high points are just that much more engaging just as a narrative. Because even though it's, it's a nonfiction book, you're, you're crafting a narrative, right? But
1: again, I kind of attribute that to her, her Bedside manner, being a doctor, having to present things mm-hmm. a certain way, not that she hasn 't gone through things because there are things on the show that aren 't always you know sun sunny days, but it 's just the end results you know that I think we see a lot more of, which is fine, but that 's not to say that it didn't happen
0: well I, I agree that it 's <clears> not to say that it didn't happen, and in real life when you 're sitting down and you 're meeting someone for the first time you 're right you 're going to have a long friendship, hopefully, and you 're going to learn those things you don't need they don 't need to describe. All the things for you to understand that they have a happy personality. But we're not talking about just sitting down and meeting somebody. They've created a book that's a narrative. And that's – my critique of it is a, is a critique of the narrative, not of the people. That gets lost a lot because especially with these reality TV shows, like if, if I were to watch the show and say, I don't like the show because I don't like how it's shot. I don't like the structure of it. There's all sorts of things I could not like that have nothing to do with them. Right? People would say, well, you're you're just doing it because you don't like those that couple or whatever. But so for with, with the book, I did, not, I did not like the structure. I didn't think it was pulled off well. I did not like that there was so much padding and all that extra stuff. I think it stood in the way of what I assume is probably an interesting story, but I couldn't get that out of the book, right? And I think that comes from part of that. You, you call it her bedside manner. I think that probably does contribute to it, but that's where I put it on the editor and the editor needs to realize that. I agree. Right. So maybe we should go call the editor. But it, it it could just be that they this was the formula, and they're just like here's. But it's
1: a winning formula because, like I said, it's on the New York Times. Yeah, but
0: selling books does not make does not mean that a book is great.
1: No, but it it profits, bottom line, gross margin, all that beautiful stuff.
0: Yeah, but I don't care about that stuff as a reader. You
1: don't. But the publishing and the editors do. Well,
0: and okay, and so that's <laughs> okay. That that leads to a really good discussion. Something like this, which I think could have been much better, but it certainly doesn't have to be to sell, right? And that leads publishers and people to think, "Well, this is what I have to do." But couldn't they just do it better? It would still sell. It would probably sell better. But you're also just making better art as well, mm-hmm. right? So something like some a book like this, where maybe sure it's it's sufficient, but they had an opportunity to be really great. I think.
1: But to play devil's advocate, be the devil's when advocate. When do they really like? They very rarely deviate from winning formulas. Like. They're not really kind of interested in, you know, let's let's be the ones to change everything. Let's be the ones to actually delve into it and and change this and make it better art. It might be profitable. It might not, you know, um, we'll probably at least break even on everything. But why take that risk when they're, like to your point, there are so many people who have done it before and set the formula in
0: action. Well, and I think why do it is because eventually you have to take the risk because eventually you will find like this might be a winning formula for for now but if you take the risk and you make something even better exactly you you're the new winning formula
1: right, right? and i agree with that and, I, I agree why not yeah. but this is what they're thinking <laughs> I, I
0: maybe it is well, Let's if
1: see. I had to put money on it, I would say. Yeah, hey, you're,
0: you're, you're probably two dollars. Right. Two dollars <laughs> down on cynical publishers. We haven't really talked about the fact that they're dwarves; they're little people, mm-hmm. whatever the term is. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that I think he did really well was describe when people use the word midget, mm-hmm. how that sort of relates. It's it's an insult. There's no there's no medical version of that word. It's always yeah. an insult. Yep. And understand you know getting to understand that at some point is, I think, an interesting thing because that's a group of people who are attuned to the discrimination that we could never possibly understand. And it gives us an insight into, just in general, discrimination. Right. So wh- what did you think about that as, how did the book handle the, the fact that they were the little people and how they dealt with it? How do you think it handled that potentially touchy subject?
1: Like you said before, when she was talking about her medical you know, terminology and everything and explaining it to somebody who doesn't actually have it and just the everyday person. She was very informative. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> he had a different take on the whole thing. It was still kind it was informative, but it was just a different, it was different. It was presented differently to me. Um, you can obviously tell she has some kind of medical training just by reading those passages alone. If I was just to be like, here, read this right. and then read this. Yeah. You can tell. I think it handled it really well, and I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think he had a he was much more emotional about it. She was very much the doctor about it. It yeah, didn't. I'm
1: telling you, it translates into her writing. Like yes, yeah, I would
0: agree. the The one thing that I thought was a little bit she was getting emotional about it, but then she it, it actually came off to me as defensive when she was describing the the interview with the University of Miami, and she was describing that they were asking her questions about her physical capability. To do the job and all and all this kind of stuff, and it, it's it, it clearly got to her. I
1: think it was more frustration than defensive, and just how I perceived it.
0: What do you mean by that? What do you mean the frustration?
1: I mean, like you're you're kind of asked that your entire life, just about you know menial things. You know, are you yeah. sure you can do this? Just based on your your stature, are you sure you can do? Th- it has nothing to do with her intellect. Like is a very smart person, but I feel like her frustration lies with people kind of taking her disability and her in her short stature Mm. and matching it with her inability to you know her cognitive function or something like that and that's not it's not necessarily defensive it's just frustrating especially when you're smart and you're trying to get people to take you to be seriously
0: well okay so but do you think it was an appropriate line of questioning for the medical school to be asking
1: no because i mean she had everything else and i mean that it
0: well, but you just said right there everything else, but it is a physical job it's being a doctor is a physical job but i'm
1: saying on paper like if if she had never i don't even know what she filled in to to tell them that she had this kind of physical requirement but i'm saying on paper you take this person and you take this person and they're the exact same thing but then oh my god you you forgot that you looked you overlooked like you know a physical kind of whatever their medical records whatever right and then you're like oh wait this person is limited but you don't know that
0: but my uh, to get back to the sort of is it an appropriate line of questioning i don't
1: think it is.
0: You don't think it is so but the job requires it. So for example, my but I have, she still does it. Yeah, I, I know, but because obviously she answered the questions, you know, well enough to convince them because she even got accepted to the University of Miami Medical School. So, but I'm saying the questions themselves, I think, were appropriate to ask. Perhaps they, I don't know, and she didn't describe it well. Maybe they were not tactful, but I think they are reasonable questions to ask. And she had answers, and, and they were certainly appropriate answers and and. That's not to say she can't do the job, but I do under I do I do think it's it's understandable that they would ask. And being a doctor, there are certain physical limitations, and so for them to ask, I, and I, I would hope and I would think they ask everybody if they're if they are capable of physically doing but the you job.
1: Hope you don't know
0: that's the thing, and that, and that's I don't know. And so,
1: from you know, kind of my perception of that whole situation was that they did not ask everybody oh, you're going to be on your feet 90 hours a day. Can you do that? Like, it wasn't a generic, across the board, let's just make sure everyone is physically able to do I would
0: hope they should. They but should, I, right? I, from... You get the sense that they didn't. Right. right. So I guess what I would have liked is some context of her friends that were in medical school and to compare her interview to others, right? To say, did you get these kind of questions? Because that to me would be a standard line of questioning is you are, when you're doing your residency, for sure, you're going to be on your feet for... What amounts to days at yeah. a time? Are you physically capable? Of, is there anything that's going to prevent you from performing those duties mm-hmm. in, the, in the first hour, in, in, this, in the last hour, with equal ability, right? Mm-hmm. But again, it, I think it's an appropriate line of questioning for someone to ask. The question is, did they ask it tactfully?
1: Well, mine is tact and general. Mm-hmm. So was it a general question that everybody had to right. answer? And was it tactfully asked? Right. But again, my feeling was no.
0: Right. So if the question is, are you physically capable of performing the duties of a doctor in this and this and this instance, that's an appropriate question. Yes. If it's because you're a little person. Yes. What are you going to do?
1: Or because of your, you know, your your stature or whatever.
0: Right. If you make it something specific like that.
1: To that person that you are speaking to at that moment in time. Yes, it is not.
0: Right. Well, what else do you have? What else do you have to say?
1: Not much.
0: Not much.
1: You need to watch the adoption special, though, because Zoe bites her. It's hilarious. (laughs) Like, they go to pick her up at the orphanage, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and, you know, like, bated breath and all that other stuff, and they finally get her, and she just starts screaming bloody murder. And, you know, her caregiver walks away, and they're left with this little baby, and they go to get on the charter bus to take them back to the hotel, and, and she just bites her, like... (laughs) <laughs> and, like, you know, the, the young lady, she's like, oh, she bit me. <laughs> and Bill's did. like, oh, well, she's your daughter. And <laughs> that's wonderful. That's how kids yeah. work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they brought her into the hotel room and um, little, you know, William is there. And he's all excited because he's getting his new baby sister. And he doesn't really know what that means, but it's exciting. <laughs> they walk in with her and she's kind of, you know, really... Scared, mm-hmm. And uh, he just, like, kisses. He just starts kissing her foot. And she calms down. It was really cute. So, yeah. That, that's what yeah. made me read this book. But. Right. And I
0: just wish the book was... I wish there was more of that <laughs> in the book.
1: Well, you have to watch the show. <laughs> you have
0: to watch the show. So, <laughs> just, so the, what we're saying is basically this book was a... Uh, the DVD extras the for the show. <laughs> Yes. Were you lukewarm on it, really?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't. You were. But like you were okay. not invested in their show. So if you were looking to get in, invested in the show, it's a really great precursor, too. Probably. If you were already invested in the show, then you would probably enjoy it just to get a background on them. But, yeah. I, I recommend it either way. we done? <laughs> Next up, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs>